Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's off-track betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. I don't know if I want to be here anymore. (laughs) You guys are all here. Not you, John. Not you. I just came in in the middle of something. Everyone's here a minute early. You guys are really passionate about this album. (laughs) How many of those? No, I'm definitely leaving. I'm completely done. Can we put a number of how many of those you're allowed in this episode? No. It doesn't matter. He's just going to keep cranking them out. He's he's a dad. That's what he does. I got my Lionel Trains hat on. I'm ready to talk about Neil Young. (laughs) Look, it's John Craigie. Oh, my God. What a handsome son of a angel, isn't he? Look at him. You guys can hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And we can can see you mighty fine. Nice. Thanks. Is that vinyl? Is that vinyl back there? Yeah, that's my that's my collection. Oh. Well, nice to meet you, John. I wasn't here last time. Yeah, yeah that's Russ. He just got back from Montserrat. He's uh, recording a solo album at Compass Point Studios with Eric Clapton. Nice, so man. He missed the last episode. Yeah, speaking of the last episode, we should just real quickly plug John being at Red Rocks since we just talked about Red Rocks. Congratulations, oh, really? my friend. That's exciting. Thank you. Yeah, May 27, they got me. With uh, is it Andy Fr- Andy Frasco and Keller Williams? Have you played Red Rocks yeah, before? Never. Yeah, play. Denver. I normally do. Uh, it's I'm all over the map in Denver, but um, Boulder. I've, I've been going out there for a while, so I'm excited for this one. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Am I did, did I have it? Am I on all the right things? Like, uh, should I change my microphone? There's all these things I can do. Or I sound okay? Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, and you I'm, sound fine. Yeah. yeah, and this is, a, a, for everyone listening, this is another Zoom episode, obviously, um, which the last few have been fine. Audio-wise, they've, they've been great, so I'm not doing anything crazy. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, discuss this album because uh, it's really changed my mind about a couple of things. Yeah. 
about Neil Young after giving it a really close study. I remember when it came out and I listened to it once all the way through, it was, I just kind of put it down and never picked it up again. Um, huh. you know. There's actually a lot, I think there's a lot to say about this record. I'm glad I got to jump on this one. Whereas some mm-hmm. of the 2000s stuff is kind of like, either just sort of like, that's good or that's bad. This one I think is pretty juicy. You know, there's some, definitely some stuff to say. Right, right. So what, you, you don't feel like this is kind of in the middle? I'm definitely getting an in the middle vibe from this album if we're just doing our initial thoughts. I wouldn't say it's, I do think it's, it's in, in the middle, but I think it's, there's, some, there's like a lot to say about it when you, to discuss like uh, the Booker T part. I don't, I don't want to start jumping into my nerddom too soon, but. <laughs> no, let's nerd out. That's, it's a podcast. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed yeah. to be a total nerd about something. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what a podcast is made for, right? That's why we excel at it. That's why we're only talking about Neil Young and uh, Stephen King books. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> nice. Don't be jealous. So, so what are we doing? Are we getting into it? Or are we, are we hit, gonna, let me hit the theme here. This is our Neil Young podcast where we mostly talk out of our ass while going through the works of Mr. Young. It's Mike Shue and the Condon Boys, Trans and Harvest and Illinois. We're gonna sit and listen to each one. It's Uh, only podcast that covers Neil Young's musical output album by album per episode. We are uh, Long May You Young on my queue with uh, Luke and Russ Condon from the band Town Beating. Uh, we have a Neil problem and this is our, our weekly meeting about it. Uh, today joined by uh, singer, songwriter, uh, performer, John Craigie. John, Woo! thanks again. You are a two-timer. Is he our only two-timer as no, far as uh, guests go? Except for like the special... He's our most famous two-timer. Okay. <laughs> except for, like, the characters. Right, right. except for the characters. They, they really don't count. Yeah, like, uh, Locko's been on, like, three times, but he's not quite as famous as John Craigie. No, I, I wouldn't say so. No, He's he, close. He, John's got more albums out than Locko. That's so, true. That's for sure. Oh, Locko was on the last John Craigie episode. <laughs> oh, was he? That's right. He filled in for Russ, who was absent oh, that's again. Right. <laughs> so. Oh, we should get him in on this one again. Uh, John, thank you very much for joining us for the uh, episode where we're going to discuss Neil's uh, album, Are You Passionate? Um, John, did you not hear the theme song last time? You were making faces like you hadn't heard the theme song. I've heard it because I've listened to the podcast before, but I don't think we played it when I was on live last time. It was great to watch you react to it. (laughs) It's great. I love it. Yeah, It's the world's best podcast uh, theme song for sure. Thank you, and Mike. you can get a download of it at uh, the uh, website longmayyouyoungpodcast.com as well as uh, all their merchandise, all the episodes are up there, everything. So um, thank you very much for, uh, for listening to the podcast. Everybody, we're huge in Europe, John. Yeah. We're one of those acts that are just, we're gigantic. We're playing stadiums in Europe. Yes, but when we, we come back over to the States, we're in like little crappy clubs, you know, but that's okay. <laughs> I could feel that. We got you on the, uh, we got, yeah. Americans don't understand us. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's two up over their heads. Yeah, exactly. It's like jazz. Yeah. <laughs> um, before, before. Yeah, we're jazz. Shoot. That's definitely <laughs> what we are. 
Well, before we get into this album, uh, if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, we will read it no matter what you say, which there are quite a few this time. So I want to just really? through these real quick. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> There's five, a lot more five-star oh reviews. A lot more five-star reviews. Uh, ever you, since Old Silver Gold became a, a guest on the podcast. Why don't you read them at the end? Why don't we do that at the end? No, we, we always do them up front. Do them up front. Relax. Oh, one time we did them at the end, and it was great. All right, relax. Don't, don't just Jesus, literally what's say... up, Rust? Have some more wine and talk into your microphone, for fuck's sake. I am. Jesus. This is going right. to end up like a fucking, like, a fisticuffs on stage. Like the, It's going to be like an eagle show, for fuck's sake. All right. First five-star <laughs> review is from Ben Keith's Skidmark. Sorry, John, that this is the episode you're on. <laughs> Go guys, this is okay. That is the best Ben Keith tribute band name I've ever heard. Um, it's called Silver Gold is a Lousy Tipper. Uh, <laughs> so, just a, some context for everyone listening. If you haven't listened to the Silver and Gold episode, we met a character named Old Silver Gold, and this must be about him. But uh, this person says, My wife works as a waitress at the Old Wizard the all-cheese-whiz restaurant on the old Route 7 near the Joanne Fabric store. Silver Gold stopped by for a double order of the cheese-whiz pancakes and was served by my wife, Darlene. Cheapskate left a 75-cent tip on an $8.35 tab. My wife was furious. Cheap son of a gun that Silver Gold is. Anyway, love the podcast and what you guys do. Waiting for a showdown episode, Landing on Water versus Are You Passionate? Keep Oh, this could be it. This is going to be it. This could be it right here. This is definitely going to be it. Um, yeah. Next one is from. What did people uh, think of that shit? That was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> That's some serious shit, Russ. Pancakes are a serious subject in old Silver Gold's life. Because we've whittled with our nonsense, we've whittled down our listeners to only the most ridiculous Neil Young fan. Exactly. Um, this is from FR nineteen ninety six. Uh, the review is titled. NY all the time. Discovered your podcast after hearing Russ and Luke on Rock in the Suburbs. Listen to the All American. Listen to the American Stars and Bars episode first, since it's my favorite album. Started at the beginning, and it's the only podcast I've been listening to since. It seems like after every episode, I have a new favorite LP. Just finished. Russ never sleeps. Guess what? My new favorite is now. Longtime fan. Bought Decade when it first came out, and have been collecting ever since. Thanks to you guys. Have been listening to a lot of his music again. Joined the archives at your recommendation. Hey, Neil Young Archives, please take note of that. Uh, bought the After the Gold Rush vinyl re-release. Um, also discovered Town Meeting. Love you guys' music too. Waiting for my album to, <laughs> to arrive. It's coming, I swear to God. We just send it media mail. Uh, keep up the good work. Hopefully I'll catch up soon. So, Cool, thanks. That's a nice review. And two more, that's it. I only get two more. Hey, uh, my album, it was great. I love it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Now, meeting you sent me. Uh, thank you. We we sent yours priority, but we, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, and thanks for the the album that you sent us, John. I appreciate it for I've sure. It quite yeah. a few times. Good, good. Thank you. Um, this is from HNT two fifty four. I've been waiting for a podcast like this forever, and have finally found it. Been a serious Neil fan for the last ten years, and I'm thankful for the nuggets I've picked up listening to this. Also appreciative of the Ben King stories. I went to high school with his grandsons and have met him a time or two in passing when I stayed over with them on weekends. Is it? He must mean Ben Keith. Must, mean, must ben mean Ben Keith. Yeah. Ben Keith. They always said. 
Slumber party at Ben Keith's house. It's Ben King, Mike. Oh, Ben King. Yeah. Ben Kingsley, the Academy Award winning actor. <laughs> yeah. Wait, have we awesome. been talking about, about ben, King. ben Kingsley? <laughs> Not yet. His well, album stuck. Here we go. Um, they always said he was a session musician and were kind of dismissive of his accomplishments. So I would never have any idea who he was. I put the dots together because I remember one of the grandsons saying he worked on the Jewel record and later confirmed by asking him on Facebook after hearing the pod. They weren't as enthusiastic as I was about Neil and changed the subject before I could press them. Bummer. So Ben Kingsley's grandsons <laughs> are fans of the podcast. Um, thank you for that. Last review is from Hannah VS1112. What if it's Daryl Hannah? Uh, Doubtful. F- it's, called, it's titled FNM, exclamation point. If you love Neil and being stared at by strangers because you're laughing out loud with your headphones on, this is perfect for you. It's really just the perfect mix of fun and information. Right now I'm on the eighth episode and I'm really looking forward to all the great and sometimes probably not so great, uh, thanks trans, stuff to come. Keep up the good work. Greetings from Germany. So thank you to everyone who reviewed Yeah, I'm telling you. Thank Massive. you to everyone who uh, reviewed this podcast. Please leave us more great five-star reviews, and we will read them. So Can I read some, uh, some of the comments that were put up when I posted the album on our Facebook page? Yes, you may. We, we, sometimes we do this, John. We put the album up, and we get some comments going before we talk about the record. And I think Scott Parks, who was a big-time – I believe Scott Parks is the guy who think, whose favorite Neil stuff is the 80s stuff. Yes, it is. Right? He's also the reason why we were on Rock in the Suburbs. So thank right. you again. Yeah, he's that. a huge music fan, Neil fan. He says, I honestly don't remember listening to this one on my deep dive into Neil several years back. It's either that bad or totally skipped it. Going to have it a virtual spin before Wednesday's drop. I kind of wow. feel that way about this. It's kind of just like not memorable. I feel the same all. way, and I'm surprised Scott Park said that because he's an 80s Neil fan, and I feel like you could shove this right between everybody's rocking and this mm. note's for you, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, John Locke, another hardcore uh, youngster, says, uh, really hard to argue with John Craigie on this. I bought this on release day, and it was so difficult to listen to. I've tried to listen to it a few times since, uh, but I think I, I, I only made it all the way to the end one other time i tried most recently last week but failed again uh, i'll do my best to listen to the whole thing before the episode drops on wednesday um you know i i always said that landing on water was neil's worst album ever but upon closer we know. study i know every episode i seem to mention landing on water and the word shit in the same sentence um but now, on, upon closer study of Are You Passionate, I may have to change my mind. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah, That's absolutely. Crazy. And I it's much like, much like Landing on Water. Not all of it is a big thorny turd. But because um, there's some really good stuff. There's a couple of really good things on here that I really like. But then there's a lot of it where I'm just like, why did he even put this out? Really? And why did he do this with people like Booker T and the MGs. I don't know. I just feel like I think he would be a little more inspired in his singing. And I kind of understand why the songwriting is the way it is because he's trying to write soul music and that's not really about the lyrics. It's kind of, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think like stuff like Sam and Dave and, and uh, 
you know, like Otis writing and stuff was really about the lyrics. It was more about how the lyrics were, were sung. Like if you read lyrics of soul music, they seem kind of simple, but if you, you, the singer is making you feel the way he feels. And I understand he was trying to do that here, but it was just, it's just so, some of it's so very thin. Thin is the best word, I think, when it comes to describing some of the music on here. What do you guys think? Well, I, don't, I mean, are we getting into it? Or is yeah. it more? Like, I, I, I don't know. Are we going <laughs> to jump into it or are we doing the reviews? Because there's Instagram shit and stuff like that. Oh, That's okay. I'm sorry. Saying. I thought we were done. We're, Russ sorry, needs Russ. a narrated oh. play-by-play of what we're doing. Well, it's just weird. You're just... <laughs> I think I think Russ is starstruck by John Craigie a little bit. I think well, that's hey, what's man, going I on. Well, hey man, I love Asterisk the Universe. So. <laughs> Thanks, man. And you played with uh, Handmade Moments a bunch too, right? Yeah, you know them. Yeah, I love those guys. Yeah, they're good friends of mine. I was just yeah, hanging with Anna in California a couple weeks ago. They're phenomenal. Yeah, they're great. I love them. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, there's just a just a couple of Instagram things because Instagram uh, there there's some new people joining, and John Locke just made an Instagram. Um, but I mean, I don't have to spend too much time on it, but, um, John Locke said that, uh, silver and gold was, he's on Instagram now, which is awesome. And he said silver and gold was a top five Neil for him. No. Although I'm more of a French toast guy than a pancake man. He said, <laughs> does he mean the character or the album? Cause the album, no, but the character, no, he said top five Neil record. No, he's yeah, wrong. He's way wrong. John Locke. Uh, and then today is the present said, love you guys. I've listened to every episode, XOXO, an older youngster. Nice. So there's a couple of Instagram things. Follow us on Instagram. I will say, Mike, I I agree with you in some ways and I disagree with you in others. I don't I don't think this is worse than I don't I, I there are five albums. I actually went through them that I like less than this album. So for me, it's not as best, obviously, but I don't think it's as worst. I like this more than I like Everybody's Rockin', Trans. I like it more than This Notes For You. I like it more than Old Ways, and I like it more than Silver and Gold. Um, but other than that, I even I think I even like land. I like Landing on Water a little bit more than this. So it's uh, the band is great, obviously. I mean, Booker T's fucking good at everything he does. And, you know done too but i mean this it just feels like he there's a lot of borrowed riffs it's just like every song it's like i feel it all it all feels like i've heard this before somewhere and i think maybe that's intentional but it's kind of annoying and uh but the tone his electric tone is great i i don't know I'm, i have such mixed feelings like i'll listen to it one day and i'll be like okay i like this song and then i'll listen to it the next day i'm like ah i don't know i don't know that's my that's my initial take yeah, I was going to say something similar about this. If this was an 80, it, like if this ha- record happened in the 80s, I think it'd be one of the better 80s records. Yes. It feels like it would be. It's got that, you know, how in the 80s he was trying to do things. Shu, you talked about with Everybody's Rockin' and with, you know, the Blue Notes and uh, Old Ways. It's like he's going for a sound. He's going for a mm-hmm. certain vibe. This, to me, is the same thing. Um and I think he does it. I think what he's going for, he achieves. And uh, I think the playing is great. Yeah, I think the lyrics are a little lacking, but there are some some gems. There are some good good moments in there. Um, 
But I agree with you, Luke. I think it might as well have just been an 80s album. Yeah. You know, it's kind of got that vibe to it. But, I mean, you really have to talk about Booker T. I think we should really spend some time on talking about Booker T and the MGs for sure. And I know, John, you said you wanted to get into some of the Booker T stuff. Um, yeah. I also felt like we... Last episode I was listening, I was pissed because there was so much Ben Keith talk. I finally listened to you guys in the last episode. We saved that for when you're not here. So much about Ben Keith. And I was like, why the fuck are they talking so much about Ben Keith? Talking about old long grain. I don't know. You had the Zoom link. It's not our fault you were in Montserrat. And uh, then there also wasn't enough Jim Keltner talk. Listen, you can't can't critique an episode that you weren't a part of. Drummers ever. You know, uh, Griffin from Dawes is like heavily inspired by Jim. Yeah, I know. I saw that. Um, um, But that that Astrid thing was great. Yeah, it was great. But anyway, yeah, Booker T is a big part of this. So I don't know. I think we should get into some Booker T talk. John, did you want to lead that discussion? Well, at least initial thoughts, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that kind of my thoughts on this record overall, and we'll get deeper into it, is that the book, I think what the problem with this record is, uh, the Booker T inclusion, which is like one of those examples where two good things mixed together isn't always amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my read of this record is that I think your average Neil fan looks at Neil's output as like, there are two kinds of Neil records, right? There's your like mellow acoustic country. And then there's your like balls out, you know, crazy horse rocker. And as we know, sometimes those will cross over like after the gold rush or whatever. Um, but I feel like as he progressed into the later era, they tend to be more polarized. Like you'll have your silver and gold versus your ragged glory or whatever. You know what I mean? And that's great. If you're a Neil fan, you love both and you're down for whatever. This one feels like it wants to be the crazy horse record. And in a lot of ways it is. In fact, it's weird how uh, I was reading um, well, some of the tracks. It is just crazy horse, you know, or just maybe the one. Yeah. So what, I was sort of comparing it to is like, as if I hired Santana's band, you know, to back me up yet we played like a cranky music yet every now and then I sort of spoke Spanish, you know, uh, like a little oil como by every, <laughs> that's what I feel this record is, is that Neil's like, Hey, Booker, M- Booker T MGs, let's go, let's do this. I have some songs that are just to me, just standard crazy horse songs. And I have some songs that are like pseudo soul, you know, they have, they could be soulish, but um, I'm going to play like Neil plays like it's crazy horse. His tone is, I love the tone on this record. Mm. He's playing, he's doing, he's doing his crazy horse thing essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and Booker T doesn't really know what to do. They kind of follow along and they kind of crazy horse out a bit because they're pros. Um, the backup singing is, so you were saying thin, you know, uh, Mike, you were saying is, is, that's a good adjective. And I would say my main adjective with this album is awkward at times. I think it feels awkward. And, and when it fails, it's awkward. When it's good, it's good. Yeah. And the awkwardness comes from the, I think, Booker T just trying to do their thing. You know, I think the backup vocals feel weird because you're used to either no backup vocals or sort of those like ragged, crazy horse backup vocals or Emmy Lou Harris or something. You know, here you have these really cool, like tight, soul harmonies backing Neil up. Anyway, I'll go on deeper as we get through it, but that's sort of my initial thought of it is um, Santana backing me up. Is that sort of my... (laughs) Great 
great comparison. Um, he actually recorded this whole album with Crazy Horse. He did? Two years before, and that album is called Toast, and that's on that list of six billion things he's supposed to release this year. What? In the Neil Young archive. So there's a whole album of this done with Crazy Horse. The only thing that made it through is the Going Home track and, and Poncho participating in this album. Mm. Uh, and I was reading that he, on Neil Young archives, that he thought that at the time he just wasn't feeling right. And he goes, and he blames himself for that because apparently his, his personal life was in turmoil. That's what he said at that point. And it doesn't sound, if you listen to the songs on here, they all, it's like he's singing about Peggy the whole time. And he really, and maybe he's just trying to, this is like a big makeup album or something. Like he said something or did something stupid and they were in a fight or whatever, but, uh, and he was living in an apartment in San Francisco. So he was not living with Peggy. And oh. I think he was feeling pretty bad. And he, he felt terrible about the Crazy Horse sessions. And so he decided to call in Booker T and the MGs. And yeah, try to get some soul I, going. I think that's it, John. It's like, they're just not a good, there's no chemistry like Crazy Horse chemistry or like Stray yeah. Gators or Ben Keith chemistry. Exactly. You know, there's no chemistry there. And, and Booker T and the MGs are such professional studio guys that I think it, it kind of like deadened his intensity. Because I, like I listened to Landing on Water next to this. And I was like, he's way more, it sounds like he's way more into Landing on Water For than sure. he is on this record. Wait, wait, wait. You listen to Landing on Water again? Well, because John said this was his worst album. So I wanted to listen to what I thought was his worst album next to it. And... If you put them together, Landing on Water has a lot more intense. There's more passion in Landing on Water than there is in R.U. Okay, Cash. so this is episode 49 of the Long May You Young podcast. We started it almost exactly a year ago. In fact, next episode will be our one-year anniversary. And every single episode, you've mentioned how much you hate Landing on Water. By the end of this podcast, I guarantee you, Mike is going to say it's his favorite album and here's why. And you're going to have all these things to say about it. You keep listening to Landing on Water and bringing it that up. That was the only time since the last time we had to listen to it. To, uh, before we talked to that asshole, Danny Korchmar. You know, <laughs> um, that was the last time, that was the last time we, we, I fucking listened to it. But since we're, you know, John said that he wanted to talk about this because he thought it was his worst. I thought I'd put them up against each other. And there was the, you know, there was the head to head. And I got to tell you. Landing on Water is a little better. I'm not going to go back to it if I, you know, except for the song Pressure. That's about it. But there's a song on here that I go back to every time, you know, so. I don't think I'm I'm being misquoted here. I didn't say it was his worst. I said that, because I'm a huge nerd, I always like to type, see who ranks stuff, you know. This is often ranked as one of Neil's worst. uh, And so I, which I don't necessarily agree with. I'm, I'm more of a hater on things that are uh yeah like laying on water trans uh reactor stuff like that i know uh i can get some hate for for that last one wait reactor yeah <laughs> are you serious i'm more of a hater on things that i'm just like i don't like how this sounds this is like soft oh. you know but i'm also i'm also unpopular in that the second side of rust never sleeps sometimes right. i skip you know um like ride my llama or whatever, you know, if it feels to me, there's a, there's a place that Neil goes sometimes that it's what, you know, part of that hanging out with Devos thing when the music kind of gets a little, uh, almost jokey in a way, I sometimes get turned off. doesn't mean that it's, nec- it's a bad thing, obviously, but this one, I was like, this album's fine. Like it's not, 
why is everyone hated so much? It's pretty, if it, at worst, it's boring, or at worst, it's like, uh, it's kind of like um, awkward, like I said. So I wanted to talk about it um, as opposed to, really, I would have loved to have been like on, on the beach or like a more classic episode, but here we are, we're in the 2000s. <laughs> this, this is what we have, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, that's why I kind of dig into this, because I don't think it's as bad as people say it is, but there's a lot of bad stuff to say about it. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying, sorry, I'm trying to fix it, because it seems, John, I, and I apologize, your audio cuts out if any of us make even the slightest agree noise. And I had I had to make a noise when you said that you thought Reactor wasn't one of. No, I thought I had a bad reaction to that. <clears throat> I mean, next you're going to tell us that you don't like the song T Bone, and then I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like we got into a small argument last night about T Bone. The version of T Bone on I uh, can't think of the album that the one that we were just loving the live one he just put out, the from the Smell the Horse tour there from the Catalyst Club. Yeah. Okay. Well, Way down in the rust bucket? Yeah, that version of T-Bone is awesome because he's singing over this note's for you, basically. <laughs> he's just singing the T-Bone lyrics over this note's for you, which I think is brilliant. It's so yeah. good. Sometimes my problem with the Neil album isn't even the songs or it's just the production style of that time, you know? Yeah. Which I think is, I hate a lot of 80s records that were done by like... Me too. There's Paul McCartney, only because... It's like, well, one, sometimes they're in like a coked out cheesy haze, but also because the production sucks, you know what I mean? And, and so I think some of Neil's stuff suffers from that. I think Old Ways could have been a cooler record had it been recorded differently. You know, they're not bad songs, you know, it's just like, it sounds really bad in my opinion from a recording standpoint, you know? Well, uh, much like this album, uh, he is going to release that original version of Old Ways he recorded with a much smaller band and more live in the barn as opposed to that big Nashville production that it ended up being. And uh, that was on the list also of, of all those releases he's going to come out with uh, at some point this year. So yeah, Luke, you talked about how John is getting, gets cut off if we say anything. So just so the listener knows we are quietly nodding our heads and agreeing with him <laughs> rather than interrupting with our ahs and our yeses and hmm. stuff like that. But is there do you want, do you want to... Or are we just uh... Um, it's only happening to you. it's only you so i don't know um there must be something in audio settings but i don't know i literally have no idea what you would do but uh i think as long as we just try not to talk over each other um well really when we <laughs> what just raise your hands that. when you would like to say something yes and then what i will do is is deem who is worthy of giving their opinion oh okay uh, now i, I did silver gold. original sound is that helping at all is that uh here, I'll go, oh, hey, 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 hey. Hello, hello. No, I'm still doing it. I don't want to throw out theories that are completely based off opinion, but it maybe started when you talked shit about Reactor and... Yes. I also am not the biggest fan of that album either, John. I think you and I are similar in some of those ways with... With some of the crazy horse stuff. Luke and Mike are like the biggest crazy horse fans. And I'm more of like, I like like a Ben. I like a mix. I like like the Stray Gators. Stop talking about Neil's backup bands like they're a fine red wine. I'm a proper lady this evening. He's made some really good music with amazing bands, Russ. Like on this album. You know, so it's not always the band. 
I mean, they're great musicians. He always works with amazing musicians. It's no, just, I just it think that, yes, I agree. I just think that sometimes he gets kind of a pass with, with some of the crazy horse stuff when I think some of the crazy horse stuff is just not good. It's like just what? really not great. I mean, life. Life is, all right, <laughs> fair. There's a lot of things that, That's you know. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> There's there's certain there's certain areas of crazy horse that he goes to where I'm I just don't it's not I don't it just doesn't work for me that's all. And yeah, for something about when crazy horse comes in, Neil allows himself to be yeah. sloppier. Like Which I don't is, <clears throat> when you're solo, when Neil is solo, perhaps he's just more self-critical. It tends to be not as I for me it's like that cartoonish and that like um, mm-hmm. and also the punk thing too. Maybe that's just me being too much of a wuss to handle like sort of the punk crazy horse, you know? Yeah, no, I, 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 I mostly agree. There are, there is some of the punk Neil crazy horse stuff that I do dig and I think is really fun and I think would probably be awesome live. But, um, I, I mostly agree with you where I'm not saying I, I do like that crazy horse and Neil know each other so well that he can be loose and, and experiment and, and be in the moment and have fun in that way. But, <laughs> It just doesn't always work for me in particular. And I think uh, I like, I do like when he uh, works with great musicians and tries these things out. I think it's bold. I think it's, um, it doesn't all, again, it doesn't always work, but yeah, you're right. I think with crazy horse, he's a little, he's a little almost too comfortable or something. Yeah. And let me also correct myself. When I, when I was bashing ride my llama, that song, I like it's welfare mothers and sedan delivery are the ones. Those are, that's my bad. Okay, oh. I agree with that because "Ride My Llama" fucking rules, and I think I'm not as keen on those two other songs. I love those two. Those are like two of the best tunes. Yeah, and that's she, that. She the, loves that those ones. That's the Neil that I'm not as into. Clearly, they're not. They're fine songs, and I would. That's a great album on every technical level. But those two are are some that I'll skip. Llama's great. I apologize to any llama lovers out there. Great song. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> llama lovers. And it's it's llama. Thank you. Yeah. Right. He says llama. That's the Canadian pronunciation, right? <laughs> so do, do we want to dip oh, in? Wait, can I, sorry. Yes. But can ahead, I go Russ. back, circle back to something you were saying, Shu, because I had uh, wrote down something when I was just for, as far as the overall thoughts and themes of the record. Um, and I, and you kind of touched on it a little bit and I didn't even know that about the whole Peggy thing, but I had written, um, that a lot of a lot of this lyrically end and feel sort of uh, seems like a peek into Neil's like inner dialogue with himself, almost like we're hearing his like daily mantras of him being uh, kind of talking to himself and saying, oh, "You got to be a good husband, Neil. You know, you got to do. You got to. She's she's great, and you you got to remind yourself that that she's all you need." And you know what I mean? Like it, it sort of is this, uh, like a middle-aged Neil kind of coming to grips with the, with the fact that he, he's older now he's in, in his like what late fifties at this point. I think he's 60. I think he would, I think he would have been, no. Cause what he's 75 right now. And this was, uh, and, uh yeah, he's, so he's getting up there. Yeah, he's so getting he would have been like in his mid fifties, but, um, it just feels to me like a middle-aged, late 50s ish middle 50s neil kind of um i didn't even know that about peggy which i think brings the point home even further where he's he's uh 
it just it feels like he's talking to himself and and yeah. trying to remind himself yeah. about the love that he has for her and the the things he has to do to be a, a good husband and a good lover and a good dad and and uh you know what i mean does that make sense he's, yeah oh absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what, this genre husband rock (laughs) (laughs) so there's dad rock which Mm -hmm. is not great but worse than dad rock is husband rock which a lot of you know great rock and rollers have their phase and neil what's great about neil is he was able to postpone a lot of the cheesy stuff till much later you know in the sense that like um i don't know if it was his drug use or whatever but he was able to be cool for a, a lot longer then um, he's always cool, of course, but every great rocker is going to make a lot of money and be happy and then write some bad stuff. And um, <clears throat> husband rock can be really lame. Like Double Fantasy by John Lennon was, is a great like husband rock album. You know what I mean? Just songs about being married and the kind of love you have for your wife as opposed to uh, someone more passionate. And so um, I think that's what you're, is that what you're talking about? I think so. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, a good way to put it for sure. It's, it's, um, yeah, I just, I it's just, a, uh, it's a honey do list of an album. Yeah. Kind of right. It's, it's right? yeah, kind of, he's, <laughs> he's sort of like saying to himself, you know, I got to do these right. things for my honey and, and for myself, you know, well, a lot of, a lot of his stuff, you know, since even before he was married to Peggy, a lot of it was really, I mean, like that, like hard, the Harvest Moon album and stuff, but some, you know, the Harvest Moon album was great. You know, a lot of that I would imagine was about Peggy, uh, you know, especially like Unknown Legend. It was such an epic song. Um, and I, I agree what you're saying, Russ. This is, I think this is him. Like there's something where he's like, okay, I got to be better. It's just showing a little more in, in that regard. You know, I, I can think of artists that Luke and I know personally who there are, they're older guys and there's, there's that era where name names where it, it, when they're in their fifties to sixties ish, it starts to, their age starts to sort of show in the music a little more. It's just like morning DJs. Yeah. Same, same thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> just, just kidding. Mike. And this, yeah. to me, it's funny that this album, I mean, if you don't count uh, road rocks, as far as studio albums, it's it's funny that this is the progression uh, from Silver Gold, which was very he's starting to water it down. You know what I mean? And then this is it, it's 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 a weird next level to that. Well, I would say go, ba- bouncing off of John's comment, I would say Road Rocks is your dad rock album, and this is your husband rock album because yeah. Road Rock even literally just based on the the way they're dressed on the Red Rocks DVD. Like, by the way, John, when you do play Red Rocks, if you don't wear Donald Duck Dunn's outfit of all denim, yes. then I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> For sure. Got to. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, but, you well, know, I think this is, we're, we're heavily into the Neil Young, like adult contemporary period. Yeah, that's yes. what that's what silver and gold was basically. It yeah, was, it was it was tailor made for like adult contemporary or triple A radio. You know, it's that non threatening mm-hmm. kind of sound, and that's I mean non threatening. Yeah, aside from a couple of songs on "Are You Passionate," that's mostly what it is, and that's due to Booker T and the MGs being such smooth players. 
You know, they're just yeah, being themselves. They they can't help being tight and smooth. They've been doing it, you know, their whole careers. I mean, dude, they yeah, 1962 was when uh, Green Onions came out that album, and I mean that's going way back. I mean, yeah. some of that influenced the Beatles. You know, it, like that. This is how far back they go, and I think Neil really wanted to take advantage of that solid groove soul rhythm sect, that R and B rhythm thing. You know, I think. I mean, if you go back and listen to like a song like um, "Time Is Tight" by Booker T and the MGs, you can That's hear all over that. this album. There's like three yeah. songs that have that riff. Yep, that same sort of groove, and mm-hmm. I think Neil uh, wanted that. He wanted to take advantage of that and just, you know, do his thing, his husband rock thing, I guess, over that really tight soul Booker T uh, rhythm and blues soul groove thing that early 60s but with you know a, a 2000s production again i think it's sound i think the sound is is great um production wise and um sonically I, it's not like bothersome does that make I, sense it's it's uh it's really yeah. clean it's I, um the more the more the more we're talking the more i, I think john said something earlier where he said soul ish and I think it, it does like in the eighties, yeah. it always feels like he's trying for a thing that he's not really grasping. And that the more I like, so going, going back to landing on water, I feel like the more I listened to it, the more I actually appreciated what he was trying to do. And this one, the more I listened, the more annoyed I got at some songs and the more I liked others better. So, and also, I, don't, I think I disagree that he never grasped what he was going for. I think in his, in a Neil way, he always, he always got what he was going for. It's just that the listener, it's just not, he wanted to make a country record and he made a country record. The yeah. songs are he country made, songs. He made what a, he thought a country record should sound like. And that's the problem. But with as Neil Young stuff in the eighties. Yes. Yes. He, but I think he, he went with a style. He tried to mimic a style as opposed to take it and use it. Yeah, but I think he, the Neil he accomplished project. what he was going for. Is my point. I think right, he, I think the I think the music suffered for that because he was too yeah. wrapped up in trying to sound like George Jones as opposed to sounding like Neil Young. Remember, we listened to Depression Blues, which was supposed to be on that album, and that yeah, that song was way too much like Neil Young to be on that album because he was putting on an act. I thought through that whole Old Ways album, and that's kind of what I think he's doing here. It's like I've got Booker T and the MGs as a band, so I got to make it sound like I'm recording an album in Memphis, mm. you know. <clears throat> in the mm-hmm. 60s and he's more preoccupied with that than sounding than saying i'm gonna use this through my neil young filter you well, know I mean? he's yes. more preoccupied with saying i should make a soul album because i have this band yeah i mean it's always a touchy thing especially on this podcast with our whole fucking neil man thing to 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 say it's something's not neil young he, he's not being neil young because it, whatever he's doing, he's, he's no. I do- know. I, I understand what yeah. you're saying, but I'm saying yeah, he's but- he's too he's too preoccupied with trying to capture he's, a style. Like, yeah, John John put it really well with the whole Santana thing. He is he's almost trying to be too Booker T ish. You think so? A little bit. Yeah, he, absolutely. I think at times that's the problem. At times it's like certain songs are straight up crazy horse, and other songs like I wrote it down. It's um be with you that song is like oh cool i could see him writing that song and being like wow wouldn't it be cool if otis redding sang this song i can do that Mm -hmm. 
it's what like what Mike was saying in the beginning, like some soul songs, it's about how the, the soul singer sings it, you know, mm-hmm. but that's just not Neil's delivery style. It's not what we see Neil as. We don't see Neil as like this cool dude singing about sex. We have this whole persona of Neil, not that he's not romantic or. No, a no, but no, John, Neil Young is not sexy. He's not. Sexy. That was just by his record company. Was just- <laughs> and Neil does sing about sex. It, on American Stars and Bars. He does on this record, too. He, he talks about filling her up. <laughs> I don't know if you guys caught that. I did not. And um, it's okay, but yeah, I think that's where, that's where the awkwardness comes in. In that track nine, um, Be With You, I was like, this would be a cool song like if, if somebody else did it. Yes. And I hate saying that about, about an artist because I want them to be able to do whatever they want. But in this case, it's like, yeah, I think Neil was, was just, it was just a little disjointed and... Other songs like I like track three. I think it's called Differently. Um, yeah, that song's cool. It's got a great yeah. vibe to it, and that's probably to me one of the better moments of the record, where the two things sort of gel the best they can. I think um, it's it. That's like a part where I was like, this is a very listenable and enjoyable song and album. And then Let's Roll comes on, and I was like, we got problems. <laughs> yeah. I agree with Differently. I think that's where the experiment works. It's, he, he seems like he's way more relaxed and it really sounds like a, he's Neil singing a soul song as opposed to Neil trying to mimic a soul song. Yeah. And I, so I think that's one of the two maybe tracks that it actually works. The soul part works on this record. And, well, um, but the rest of it, it just sounds kind of just out of joint. Yeah. And I, the first two songs, they're, they're just, they're just really, to me, it's hard to get through the first two songs. Yeah, first two is tough. That, the thing is, I don't think Booker T and the MGs ever get to fully be themselves because it's Neil's house. You know, they're in, in, by that I mean metaphorically, I don't think they feel free and comfortable. I'm sure Neil, I don't know how taskmaster he was being, but that's why it feels to me like, hey, I got a bunch of Crazy Horse songs. A couple of them sound soulful, back me up. But I just don't think that they, it ever fully comes to fruition. I don't think Booker T ever found their way to do that. And... Other times it's just like they don't even have a choice because it's like this song is way too straightforward, Crazy Horse. They're a great band, so they kind of do an impression of Crazy Horse. And my yeah. ear is like, I want it to be a little sloppier, actually. They're too good. They're too yeah. tight. You know I, I, mean? I, mostly, I mostly agree with that. I think it's like, I think that's pretty much really spot on. I, I do think there are a couple exceptions. And one of my favorite songs, I won't spoil it right now, we'll get to it, but. Um, uh, it, it's also another one of those fucking Neil man moments because there's a line in it where I almost, it's crazy to me that it took him this long to, to write that line. He's going to spoil it right now. No, I'm not going to spoil it, but it, it's a, uh, it's just funny that even, even within of what, what seems to be and what we're kind of saying is a, a kind of a complicated album. There are still these moments. And I think there are a few moments where I do feel him and Booker T and the band, like really getting into something that seems um, pretty genuine and um, kind of, yeah, it feels like they're making great music together and having a good time. I think they're rare, but I do think there are moments where Booker T, there's especially some moments where you can really hear his organ and him, him improvising and doing sure really tasty, fucking beautiful things. Um, but again, I do agree, John. I think it's rare, but I think it—I think it'd be a lot to say that it doesn't happen at all. Which is not what you're saying. I'm—I just wanna—I want to say that I think there are moments where it does happen. It just doesn't—it doesn't. You're right. It doesn't fully come to like a full, 
Um, is that, is it, am I? Yeah. I think anybody who read the reviews or read what this album was about, probably like me, sat down to listen, expected some, you know, you like, you had a sound you were expecting to hear. And then you were like, oh, here's some more Neil stuff, which is great. Right. With Booker T playing it. And it's just, it's, it's the same thing with Mirrorball. I think. Yes. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree. I think it's very similar with Mirrorball where people were like, Oh fucking Neil and Pearl jam. They toured together. We could hear Eddie going wild with him and the band were, they were really playing well with him on tour. And then you go to listen to the record and it's, it's, you don't really hear Pearl jam being Pearl jam. Yeah. But this is different because you still, you can still, uh, maybe it's not that different. Maybe it's different because you have a newer Pearl jam and you, but you have an older, Booker T and the MGs. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So the that's why Mirrorball was so much more enjoyable than yes, but there. But I think what I I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's it's similar in regards to yeah. I guess this album. You're right. This album comes out in what 2002, and probably a lot of people might not even might not have even known who Booker T was, except for like you know hardcore music fans, older people, but <clears throat> um, and fans of the Sandlot. Of course, mm-hmm. fans of the Sandlot. Of course, but you know, uh, and you're right. In comparison to Mirrorball, everyone knew who Pearl Jam was, right? But but as music, as a music person, and of course, Neil is an, a crazy music lover and uh, heavily inspired by a lot of different things. He chose these bands on purpose, and and there are still shining moments like when we talked about mirrorball there are songs on there that are like fucking great you know totally yeah and i think there are songs on here where the same thing happens but anyway i do sorry no 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 you go you could argue that the difference between pearl jam and neil young in the 90s is much smaller than the difference between booker t and mgs and neil young you know what i mean so so neil young and pearl jam's mix isn't as dramatic or your ear isn't like as expecting this wildly different thing than you would be when you're like, this is like one of the most amazing soul sounding bands of all time with this grunge rocker. Whoa, it's going to be crazy sounding. Whereas, Oh, here's like a band that was heavily influenced by Neil Young Mm -hmm. backing Neil Young up. And yes, it was different. I like Mirrorball, but I remember as a kid, I was a huge Pearl Jam guy. And at that age, not super into Neil Young or at least what I knew. And I was only disappointed in the sense that I just, wanted it to be all Pearl Jam. You know what I mean? Yeah, you just wanted to hear Eddie more and, right. and stuff like but that. I see, that's where he didn't let the the style take over. Like, he didn't try to sound like a, grunge, a 90s grunge artist. He just did what he did. Totally. And Pearl Jam was there just to add to the, to the mix. Yeah. And I think their vibe as opposed to Crazy Horse's vibe. And I think, you know, I think that came out really well. But, yeah, I think that's why it didn't sell as well because – People thought it would be more like, you know, verses or Vitology. Exactly. Or exactly. With Neil Young singing, but it wasn't. They were just Neil's band. Yeah, for uh, sure. Where opposed to here, he was like, I got book, you know, it's like he's just getting into the style too. And it does, it like, like differently, it does work. Right. But, and he, yeah. And, and he's just kind of, no, I, I agree with you. Is anyone else annoyed by the fact that he had McGruff the crime dog sing on a song and he didn't credit him in the, yeah, Mr. Disappointment. Yeah, I was I really. I thought that was Tom Waits, but anyway, I did not like that song when I first listened to it. Now I think it's in my top three. No, it's not. You're yeah, man. such a fucking liar. Yes, top three for one, for one two second part. 
Do we get into? Should we get? Yeah, let's, let's start. Let's start. Let's. You get guys want to get into the album? Yeah, how you doing? First, I gotta share a screen. It's long may you young. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It's your mic for some reason. No, I don't want. I didn't mean to cut it off. I'm sorry. It's no, I can only play so so much anyway. Yeah, it's fine to talk through it. Yeah, your mic doesn't do it. It's the tone is there when he starts singing. It's it's a little weird to me because, like, it's very tight. You know, like I said, if it's going to be crazy yours, I want it to be a bit sloppier. And what right away, the awkwardness seeps in for me in that it feels it feels awkward having this like very tight drum beat and bass line. Mm-hmm. in what with that cool tone and the cool riff feels very I, i'm really excited to hear this toast album because I, I think that would potentially make the song better but. I'd, I'd like to hear this album as an instrumental album I, mike i was gonna say the same really? exact thing yeah, yeah if i the, the music's great and booker awesome. t and the mgs are, are just doing what they do best unfortunately when neil starts singing it sounds like you ever go to like a mall and see one of those booths where you can record a song for someone so it sounds like he recorded a song for this girl he wants to make an impression on <laughs> and he got into the booth and he just did it the i mean he really tried really hard and gave it to her and she ended up fucking the quarterback of the football team anyway because it was so bad yeah. that's what it sounds like to me that's all right i got my trains yes yeah, so i'm gonna go home and play with my train <laughs> um so it's just it's that this is where it's an extreme situation this is the situation where it just doesn't mix it's it's it there's is no very, there's no co- yeah, co- at, coagulation yes. whatsoever as the first song it's very jarring to hear yeah. booker t and then you, you but you hear neil on the guitar and you're like oh i can i like yeah, that sounds great you're like okay this might work and then he's well right. and you're like oh shit man you know and get that the just pretty quickly after we get that first taste of the background vocals which again yeah. to me is it was a big sort of red flag because it's like, again, it's too good, you know, so you have my girl and then they come in with that really nice, like retro soul backing that just has a strange place on this on the record, I think. And for that time, too, uh, there's a few other times in the record where that happens, where you're just sort of uh, it just feels out of place. Not to say that, Neil, I don't want to prevent him from going there, but it's weird. That was yeah. brought up on the last episode for Road Rock. Remember, Luke, because they were talking about the backup singers for cowgirl in the sand right and i think it was Laco who brought it up and said that they were just too good yeah like it was they were just so very good and perfect and for a song like cowgirl in the sand that wasn't the right kind of mix and that, and that is where you do where you do like applaud crazy horse because they're not perfect yeah right. you know? and that and that's why yeah and that's why they work so well with neil and the, and when uh, when Neil and Crazy Horse sing together, it's like, oh yes, that makes sense. Yeah. Even though they can do really beautiful harmonies at times, and it, like we've talked about that too, where mm-hmm. there are moments with Crazy Horse where you're like, 
oh, even though it's sloppy and quote unquote not perfect, it still sound it still sounds good. Yeah, you know. Um, but I agree, John. In this instance, it's jarring. And then when you hear them, you know, like you hear those soulful voices come in, it's like because eh, Neil's singing in his Neil way, which again, it's Neil. That's why we love him. Yeah. We're not we're not saying don't do that. It's just it's a little much as a first track ascent you know like right off the bat it's this is this is my cut song and i think this might be the first ever time my cut song has been the The opening track the opening track um i i I, it might be mine i'm i'm i compare i I compare it to the first song on trans that muppety like love what were you saying john we couldn't hear you oh give me the lingo what does cut song mean is that the song if you had to cut one yeah Okay, we're not going to talk about Let's Roll then? All right, that's fine. We'll no, we should do it at the end. But we're yeah. going to get into Let's Roll because... Because, oh, John, you the, the you guys just had him... You were only on for an interview, right? You weren't on for an album. Correct, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. So you haven't done that. We're going to spend a good amount of time on Let's Roll. And on Facebook, the comments are rolling in and almost all of them are about Let's Roll. So, Oh, boy. Okay. So let's roll to the next song and let's take a bite out of crime. Yeah. Right. I love this. Wait a minute. It's, hold on. Before you do that, you're yes, my boss. girl. You think that's about Peggy, Mike? I thought it was like... No, no, no. That's not... No, not that one. But there's other, oh. other ones that are, are about... This is oh, about, that seems like it's about his daughter, right? His daughter, right? Going yeah. to college. And so he's like... That's what it seems like to me. I believe she grew up so fast and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, you know, that's kind of corny stuff, right? But it's, it's for soul music. It's how you sing it. Yes. You know, the singer... Yeah. If he's successful, he makes you feel the same thing or some kind of connection emotionally and not so much, you know, dazzling you with lyrics. I want to add on to what you're saying, Shu, because I wrote this for a majority of these songs. I like what he's saying. I just don't like how he's saying it. Yeah. Is how I feel. There's 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 uh, stuff where you're right. If a if Sam Cooke was singing it, you'd be like, hell, yes. But because it's Neil, yeah. Uh, but that's not fair. Because if Sam Cooke was singing anything, you'd be like, "Hell yes!" Because it's yeah, fucking I mean, Sam. Cooke. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, exactly. But that is that's the point Mike's making. I think yeah. is it doesn't matter because there's a way that he's singing it, and I think Neil does. There are a couple songs where he does find it right, and and you kind of feel that. But right. overall, Mike, yeah. I agree, and I I wrote that for a lot of these songs. I do like what he's trying to say. I just don't think this is the way. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I totally know what you mean. I hear it, man. I hear it. It sounds like you're filled with disappointment, Russ. That's a good one, Luke. Thanks. I liked your sentence. yeah I'm, I'm pausing it for a second because i was going to say the same thing that i mean right off the bat you're like this song is gonna fucking rip it's yeah. so catchy oh, same thing with the first song it that his riffs the fucking guy knows how to play a goddamn guitar and make a riff that gets in your fucking brain yeah like this song the reason why i, I might end up having it in my top three is because it has not left my brain and the tone of the guitar too, has not really left good. my brain it's fucking in my head yeah, but you know what? If if you listen to like the Blue Notes album or the Blue Note Cafe record, yeah. I mean, he could 
he could play to this song. He's but he's not like John was saying. He's playing these that sick Neil Young tone, but it's the slick Booker T and the MGs in the back. And to me, it's just not mixing. It's not. It's not a good. Yeah, I think it is musically. Musically, I don't mind it. It's the fucking McGruff voice that like totally ruins the song for me. I love this song. <laughs> That's why. I, All right, I mean, Loma, like let's take a li- let's take a listen. <laughs> the part where he does the fucking Witcher grunt, where he goes, where he goes yeah. "How you doing? Yeah, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you Do doing? you know where that Music. is?" Mm. That's Let me like try. Second verse. No, I don't. Right. Hey, how you doing? You gotta isolate that. Luke. Okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. Come on! I love it, man. I respect it. You I don't like that? Hey, how you doing? I like it. I hey, fucking man. love it. I think John doesn't like it very much. I don't like it. <laughs> I, don't like it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> See, I like it because I think it's hilarious. It's for all me the too, wrong yeah. reasons. You know, I like it for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, same. It just sounds silly to me. I can't get that image of what Mike put of a guy in a mall singing against a. <laughs> <laughs> this is that guy's father. Actually, it feels it feels very awkward. It feels very much like a person who doesn't know how to sing, so they're kind of talking, you know. They're kind of or a karaoke style or something. That's what this song really rubs me in a strange way. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. It does feel like like the creepy dad at karaoke, and then like like a way too young girl walks by and just goes, "Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing?" Feels very like he's off mic, you know, sort of. Hey, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> Ever on phone, it feels like it's very weird. Yes, hundred percent agree. It's like he's imitating Tom Waits, and that's what I said. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like he's been listening to Tom Waits, or like Leon Russell or something. But he just watched, uh, you know, the Maltese Falcon. You know, <laughs> like Sam Spade is is like narrating it. You know, she had to walk into my. O- she walked into my office. Mm, hey, how you doing? <laughs> when he first started singing, I swear to God, I thought it was not neil i thought it was someone else doing like a weird thing like an old man mcgruffy odd thing it is i I, I agree but the more i listened to it i (laughs) I kind of liked it (laughs) the reason i liked it is because he's what he again what he's saying i like what he's saying and i think because of what he's saying the lyrics i think he decided that that's the voice of mr disappointment you know it's uh, like it, it's well, an artistic. Right. Yeah, he nailed it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I like it. It's fucking Neil, man. He's 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 all very disappointed. He's, disappoint- he's trying to disappoint you. <laughs> that's right. the fucking okay, point of the song. All right, let's move on to the next song here. All right.
go like to 325-ish, Luke. Okay. Also, this is that same Booker T rhythm thing, but again, I agree with you and uh, John. I just, I just wanted, we, you could kind of hear it, but I just liked his, his little riffing there that, like, I think that stuff yeah. is, is nice. The guitar sounds great. Again, instrumentally, this would be. It, it feels like they, they clicked on this song. This song. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't sound like he's struggling. Go ahead, John. My, this is my favorite from the record. I do think that I still wish that this was done in either this, it kind of reminds me of Bermuda in off psychedelic pill, which I love or something off of Zuma or something. I kind of almost wish that it was through that little bit of a, more of a fuzzy, hazy filter, but the song, this is where it gels the best, even though it's still pretty crazy horse, horsey. And it's not, they're not giving you as much MG as, as you would think, but this one is my favorite too. It's, you know what? It's catchy. And I, we talked about this with Zuma would with the first song on there was don't cry no tears and i was like that's a catchy tune and this is a really catchy song like this is the song that's that sticks with me the most out of all the songs on this record he doesn't write a lot of catchy songs you know what i mean like pop songs he writes like some really great songs but nothing that's like hey this is like i'm humming it like all day totally you know i'm not humming down by the river <laughs> you know i'm <laughs> You know, but this is a yes, song that's like it's been in my mind like for the past week because you know I've been listening to it all week, but it's the catchiest tune on the record. I really like it a lot. This is the success of the experiment. Right? Yeah. And I agree, John. I think the backup vocals work in this one too. Those like oh like that, the way they're doing the O's and stuff. I think it just it's subtle enough that it it uh it complements where he's at range wise and everything too, you know. Um who is the drummer on this? album i know uh, it's um, it was the booker t drummer um but he wasn't the original Booker. no t. not the original uh who what was his name steve potts yeah steve so potts. august carlson says the drum tone on this record really annoys me it sounds more polished than your typical neil young sound it's, i mean it's 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 towing the 80s line at times you think so a little bit, not 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 enough to bother me. I think the drums sound great. I think the drums sound great too. It is very polished, except for going home. It's very polished. Well, that's crazy. Well, that's that's the crazy. It's, right. it's just that's Ralphie. Want, from like we were saying before, you want with Neil, you like the sloppiness of Crazy Horse, the garageness of Crazy Horse. When you get like some really tight musicians around Neil, it's sometimes uh, when you're he's when he's singing songs like this it does feel a little strange. You want, you want it to be a little more garagey. And uh, that's why I'm saying, that's why it reminds me of Ramada Inn or like Cortez, you know, but again, it's a little, it's a little polished. I still like yeah. it. But. That surprised me that this was the one that reminds you of like Ramada or Cortez. Cause this one going home a little reminds me of those a little bit. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. That's, that's even more so I guess. Cause that's legit. You know? Yeah. But no, this is, um, I, this is probably in my, it would be my top three or top five. I don't know if it made my top three. I have, I have to pull them up, but uh, the, um, I, yeah, it's, it's catchy. It, it feels like he finally, the first two songs I'm not as much into. And this one, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling this. It feels like this is the song where they, they, they clicked for the first time. So yeah. yeah. 
I think when you first listen to this album, and that's a problem with this album, is that you're... It's another one of those fucking Neil things where it, it, a lot of it is environment. It's, uh, what did you do today? What did you eat? Where are you at when you're listening? Where what are you driving? Where are you driving to and driving through? And uh, like when I first listened to it, I had just got back from a vacation and I and I just wasn't like I was I was a little bummed to be back in fucking New Hampshire. And so I was just kind of like wasn't in the mood for, you know, like that thing that he was doing. And but like the more I listened and like I was driving to work today, I, I started to really it, it, it I don't know, it, it let it I let it in and it came in, you know, it was more of a um I was more open to it. And I think if you like go into this a little more open, it, it presents itself some nice moments. And I think differently is one of those moments. So anyway, cool. Let's go to the next track. Shoot in like that, man. I can fade it now or I can keep playing until uh, he starts singing. What do you guys want? Yeah, right. I'm going to fade this one out. <laughs> All right. It's, it's, it's very similar. I mean, the, yeah. that's the, part of the song. Really? Uh, the first, like, you know, yeah. 30 seconds. Yeah, the guitar. A minute. You know, his, before his he starts singing. Great. Neil can play the blues. He can play soul. You know, he proved that on a lot of his records. But overall, to me, the song is just... It's not even the, like it's it's like a bread sandwich. It's not even there. There's nothing. There's no meat. There's no there's no mustard. There's just bread on bread. You got some nice Astrid backup vocals though. Yeah, the- but again, they they're just so polished. Yeah, it's just this is where it just doesn't mix again to me. Yeah, it feels a lot like track two. Kind of same problems with track two. Same pacing. Same thing. I think he's trying to pull off where he where. He thinks it's going to be more soulful than it is. Yeah, I did this one. This one and track two kind of are on the same page. Yeah, this one felt. I really felt it. It's starting to not starting. It it did right away. But this one, you really feel that it's it's forced. It feels forced, and uh, you you feel the vibe he's trying for. You yeah. know, and uh, but again, the the playing is is excellent. You know, uh, the guitar, the organ, the you know the rhythm section. It's great. They're all doing a great job. You know, they're all it, it, playing it, the right it, notes and playing them well. It needed more McGruff voice. Yeah. You know, <laughs> baby, I love you. I love you so hard. Don't say you love me and don't say yes yeah. to drugs, kids. That's right, kids. If you see something, say something. Don't well, let's, let's take roll, honey slides. Let's, let's roll on to John's favorite song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> This is Let's Roll by Neil Young and Lee Greenwood.
lyrics. It should have been the song that Chef sings in that first episode of South Park. You know, I want to make love to you, woman. I think you're down by the fire. Was that Chef or was that Stephen Stills? I don't remember. That was, oh, Stephen. Well, Chef ripping off Stephen Stills. That was Isaac Hayes stealing from Stills. Um, I have such mixed feelings about this song. Obviously, we didn't even play into the lyrics of it. It's, I remember when this song came out. I was a king evangelical teenage nerd. And we, they played this at some youth convention we went to. And I remember thinking like, yeah. Really? I think, Russ, they played this at Winterfest or something Winterfest? like that. Winterfest? I'm pretty sure. But uh, it's... Jesus, am I right? <laughs> but this was like, uh, I mean, you forget everyone's mentality at the time. Mm. You know, I mean, everyone was everyone was feeling like ultra patriotic or, or at least they thought they were. And I, the more I hear the song, the more annoyed I get at the lyrics and the music and the overall, no, I don't, I don't even get mad at Neil for writing it. I think if we know anything about Neil, he gets, he gets swept up by a new story and this one got him. And he even talks about how he waited and waited for someone else to write this song. And finally he just wrote it. But the, uh, I mean, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not a good song. <laughs> well, I love the again, the music I think is great. If Disagree. If he chose a like different subject matter, you know, but. No, I just, it's, it's just, it sounds like a, like a shitty Aerosmith ripoff. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it does sound like Last Child now that yeah. you mention it. Yeah. 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 Wow. I didn't even hear I, that. Straits, bad Clapton 80s, bad, just like bad white boy blues rock. It's yes. very white, it's very stiff, it's very dad at a party. You can just see it. <laughs> hey kids, you don't know about rock and roll. I got some rock, right? Am I? <laughs> the two finger gun points. There's a lot of finger guns happening before this thing. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's finger gun pointing at the terrorists that are trying to steal the plane. Yeah, he's gonna that- shake him down by dancing. <laughs> and also, like, and I and I know again, I love Neil. And politically, Neil now again, we're I feel like we're all on the same page as Neil now. We're we're all like you know we all want. And but I just feel like there's correct me if I'm wrong here, but it just feels like. Is there a lot of like like borderline like Muslim hatred in this song? Am I like? Well, there there was that on um on a hot, a little bit of that on Hawks and Doves. There was a little bit of jingo. Yeah. What do you call it? jingoism? Is that even the uh, right term? Jingo. There was jingoistic lyrics. Is that even using it the right way? I've never heard that. There was, there was just a lot of pro like Amer- like America, love it or leave it. Yeah, which is funny because in a few albums from now, with Living With War, you got, it's the opposite. It's yeah, let's, let's impeach, impeach the, the president, president and yeah. looking for a leader. You know, it's very, uh, that's, uh, but that's fucking Neil, man. You know? I, 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 I give him a break because this, I mean, it's, and, it's, and not, it's 9-11. You're right, you're Everyone right. At got, that time, it was, it was fucking infectious. I mean, I was young. I was a little kid. You were a little youngster. But it was still like, you know, it was like a little tear every time you went by an American flag. Everyone had their flags out, you know? It's like, now it's the opposite. Someone has a flag out, you think they're a Trump supporter. It's like, but but at the time, it was fucking, it was, yeah, it was intense, Inf- man. Infectious. And, and also, like, that that Scott Beamer story, that got to you. Like, that was a very, and then I think I heard that, that not, not a lot of that is true. 
I think well, I've read. Gonna say, is that what happened? Because I'll, I'll, you know, I firmly, this is just me. I'm firmly believe they shot that plane down. Yeah. That's a whole nother thing we could get into about. Yeah, whole oh, we can about. get into it. <laughs> but regardless of all that, coming from the context of like a folk singer like myself, someone who tries to write topical songs, which Neil doesn't do that often. And I love when he does minus talking about MP3s. I have <laughs> when Neil gets topical, which isn't that often you get an Ohio here and there. It's great. So this, the, the notion to write a song about this event, true or not, the story of it, patriotic or not, it's a cool story. And it is something that would be worth writing a song about Dylan would have, you know, in the time it's a, Woody Guthrie, all that stuff. The problem is, is that, and it's not even necessarily an overly patriotic song at heart. It's just so cheesy and so like Brooks and Dunn, Ted Nugent, uh, those kind of guys that uh, it just ends up, you just feel like this is some sort of right wing country singer writing. Like they'd play it in Laconia during bike week. Yeah, exactly. So that's is that not only is it executed like bad 80s white dad rock, that's fine. It's also lyrically executed like a bad pop country song. You know, yeah. That, the, inherently, the notion to write a song about, <laughs> maybe not call it Let's Roll either, but <laughs> to write a song about this particular incident, whether it happened or not, isn't a bad idea. It's kind of a cool idea. And anyone else, and possibly Neil in a different time, could have handled this a lot cooler and a lot more objectively than what ends up happening, especially when you get into sort of the verse about like, I don't want our children to live in fear. He ends up kind of repeating a lot of the same, like do what we have to do. It feels very much like a, like a kid wrote this or that, you know, a very uneducated songwriter, which Neil is clearly not, you know, or the white White house press secretary wrote it for him those are all those are all now you can think of it this way okay he wrote this song and he has all that stuff in there that was really coming out of the white house at the time yeah and those were slogans those weren't just like parts of statements those were slogans that they wanted people to latch on to you know so could you am i thinking too much and saying maybe neil is is saying that it feels like that there's a little bit of that if you do this the terrorists win they're trying to scare us there's a lot of talk about fear them make us live in fear, which you're right. It's exactly what Bush was saying. Yeah. Us and yeah. them, very us and them. Right. But yeah. He, I mean, John, you're right. He, it's not that he, he has proven, like you said, with Southern men, with Ohio, with Alabama, with, you know, even with some of the Monsanto stuff, I feel like he did a great job, yeah. but in this instance, uh, it seems a little bit, you know, yeah. Do you think uh, this this would have a we'd feel differently say if this was done in the same style as Captain Kennedy? Sure. Oh, for sure. If this was a straight song, on folk song, yeah, with better lyrics. The lyrics are bad, you know, and that's that's fine. If they were just done a little differently, told the story in a way that wasn't so, um, yeah, like your your high school teacher trying to like write. It feels again like somebody doesn't know what they're doing. That's all. That's that's my problem with it. It's not a bad idea the execution is terrible hold on john you're telling me that let's roll for freedom let's roll for love we're going after satan on the wings of the dove is bad songwriting what's wrong with you i love that wings of the dove part well to be fair off off uh off record john told me that asterisk the universe is entirely about uh the flight that hit the pentagon so exactly and that's executed really well so it's a concept yeah 
capitalism if you really got to dig deep yeah <laughs> hustling you know what let's not do this i don't want to it's a good message it was just done in a very i guess awkward way so awkward. the most awkward moment i think yeah um yeah. so a few again the facebook comments keep rolling in chris uh, Boudreaux says, I find it to be sort of disjointed talking about the whole album with some good stuff sprinkled in. In the aftermath of 9-11, I remember Let's Roll being the focus. Um, but he, And he says, but the lone Crazy Horse track, Going Home, has always been my favorite. Um, there was a bunch more on that and I've lost them all. Now people just want to talk about Old Silver Gold, which we're not going to do. I'm sorry, you guys. Unless Old uh, Silver Gold wants, to, a heart attack wants to talk about 9-11 truthers. Makes old Silver Gold has died. <laughs> is that Gold, canon over gold dude's dad he, he choked on a stack of pancakes Jeez. Uh, um yeah but anyway but the, yeah i i we know there's really not much more to say <laughs> it's just i remember at the time being like kind of as a as a young teenager like i don't know everyone got swept up in it it was just a thing and then this album came out i like the first like 60 days after 9-11, we had this girl sing uh, Proud to be an American over our loudspeaker in my high school. So Yeah. It just mm-hmm. is what it is. So Anyway. Well, um, let's move on. You guys don't want to get into any... Um, we, for, we regret. <laughs> conspiracy theories or anything? Because I went down a rabbit hole after this song. I won't lie to you guys. <laughs> I used to know all the 9/11 ones, man. They were there were some good ones. I don't know if they're conspiracy theories. I think they're true. Well, all right, let's uh, let's talk about something else before we get yeah wrapped up in that podcast. And well, the thing is, Mike, sometimes I, there's a subject that I'm passionate about, and I just need to know: Are you passionate? Oh. All right, I gotta I gotta pause it because I gotta say here's a song where the McGruff voice would have been. Perfect. Yes. Right? I agree. Are you living like you talk? Are you living like you talk? I don't hate this song. I don't know if I'm on an island I like, here. I actually like this one. This is in my top three. I fucking really it's like not this in my song. my top three, but I do like it. Uh, I, to me, it's, it's another bread sandwich. Really? It's, it's not, I, get, I have no reaction to this song whatsoever, and I think that's the worst, that's the worst thing you could say about a song. I don't agree. I don't agree with you. My qualm with it is that he clearly goes to the Danger Bird uh, change with with that. um, When he goes to the change, maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very much that Danger Bird. Go to the. Can you? I don't. I didn't write it down, Luke. But if you skip ahead a little bit and he goes to the change, just skip ahead in a five minute song. Where (laughs) five minutes is normal. Just skip ahead. Get enough of it. Further than that. Change. Right here. Coming to me. Right here. Coming to you. Once I was a soldier. 
It's very danger birdie right there. That that like um That organ is beautiful though. And yeah, song. the lyrics are just Yeah. It's just like they're, they're, it's like they're they're out of let's roll. I don't think they're yeah, that the soul, no, the soldier thing bad. is do you think this is where that ridiculous album art comes from? Yes. I think if you didn't have that stupid album art too, this would be a better What's that, John? The album art is bad. I don't know what's going on there. But again, Neil, at this in this era, the album art is not like a high priority at all. It's pretty. Remember when Prairie Wind was getting all this like love and affection, and I was just like, I was so, couldn't get past it. I was like, this album art is trash. <laughs> I think this is might be his worst album art, though. No, I can't handle oh, the fucking like can't rose the rose on the camouflage <laughs> with the fucking. Full Polaroid. Yeah, I fucking be- hate it. Who's so the Polaroid? Much. Is that supposed to be Scott? And- is that the Beamers? Is that who that is? I no, the guy it's... who's flying this plane that's trying to keep us free that he's talking about. <laughs> I think. Wait, what is worse album art than this? Than this? Life. Third. Yeah. Again, life. Yeah. I kind of like Lucky Thirteen. He's doing that like weird eighties thing. <laughs> I don't know. Reality goggles. I don't know what's going. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I think it's better than this. I Tran- fucking hate this. I'll say it. Trans. No, Trans oh, is great album art. Trans is cool. Landing on Water. Trans is iconic. I actually like that album. The, the, I thought uh, the, we know you like that album, Mike. <laughs> Storytone? Yeah, but Storytone's kind of like a painting. It's, I don't know. It's not. That like, is Kid Drew? I don't know. Yeah. This, see, that's what I mean. All those are kind of. They you have know, a thing. This Silver and like, Gold. It's just so dumb. This one's so fucking. Silver stupid. and Gold was taken with a Game Boy camera. So, Silver and Gold is worse than this one. <laughs> I like it better than this one. They're really bad for a while here in the 2000s. Yeah. Nothing really has any look. I guess Fork in the Road probably is the worst album art, right? Yeah, it's just like him with a Polaroid camera doing a (laughs) selfie, right? A few people on Facebook saying Fork in the Road much worse than this album, in their opinion. Uh, I don't know. Looking at it as far as like least fucks given, you know, like Fork in the Road is the one of Hey Neil, we need an album cover, and he pulls his polar right out and shoots points to his face. Right, yeah, there's your fucking right. album cover. You know? Writes his name on it, you know, with a friggin' big pen. Yeah, I, yeah. I think uh, I I think it got he 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 kind of found it again with psychedelic pill is cool. I like psychedelic yeah. psychedelic pill. Yeah, album artwork. He's got some cool out. Al- he's I mean it's fucking Neil. He's he's. I mean, on the beach is one of the best album artworks of all time. On the beach yeah. is like I've my favorite. So good. Yeah. But anyway. um, all right, so we need to start to slowly work through these because we're coming on an hour and a half, and I really don't want to go okay. on two hours. Um, let's talk about going home. I'll play a little bit of this one. Hold on. Immediately, right? Like you already, you know, immediately yeah. this is a different band. Yeah, I'm not. I don't even have to play much more of this, but the, I, this is my number one song on the album. Sure, it's the least awkward. It's the most natural feeling. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the most. It's got the, the polish is gone, so it's everything makes sense with the with where Neil's at and his vocals and playing. It just makes the most sense. But it also is like where did, when I first heard this, I didn't know that this was the case. I thought the album 
just changed. I was like, oh, I guess they figured out how to play like Crazy Horse or something. I was confused. But yeah, it makes way more sense. Yeah. And that's the other thing on Facebook. They're saying Sandra, uh, Sandre Bjorkley, someone from Europe is saying. Jesus Christ. Sorry. <laughs> well, this person comments all the time and we really appreciate them. Uh, I'm going home as a beast and makes me wonder why he released this album instead of toast which i really want to hear toast. yeah i'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to hearing toast. I mean, well, he's, he's planning on releasing it sometime this yeah. year and sorry if, hearing this I'd, I'd like to hear something like are you passionate or yeah differently with crazy horse doing it i think that would, uh, it would be really more interesting yeah and i apologize to sandre i always butcher your name and you always have really good comments and i do apologize is he the guy from finland that uh, oh no that's erotic what's his eric erotic eric erotic eric yeah. <laughs> yeah. Podcast, man. Eric. um Victor. yeah man i mean i do i did love the uh, line said the fool who signed the paper to assorted slimes right yeah did you guys catch that line in there mm-hmm. That's quite a quite a line there. What do you think that one issue? David Geffen. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Who's the assorted slimes? Crazy horse? No, that's obvious. This is obviously about Crosby um, Stills. Of course, of course. Someone take a big fat chug. Someone named Mario uh, Boff says, "Generally underwhelming album, apart from Going Home, which would be in my top ten Neil Young songs." Holy wow. shit! I don't know if I'd go that far, I, but I, it's. I'm not going to go that far. It's, a good it's one of the few songs on this record that has an actual groove. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe one of three or four songs that has an actual groove to it's it. Good old, yeah. It's a great song. The, uh, and also the other song that I think is a crazy horse song is the one that's on the back, but didn't make the album, but he it's on the back listed. What, what the hell is it called? They have it written down. Uh, Gateway of love. You can look, the, it's on YouTube. You can find it. Um, I'm not going to play it here but a uh, great fucking song i would m- maybe even my favorite if it were actually on this album but it was listed as a track but it didn't make the album but then when he toured this he played it at 28 out of the 29 shows so, <laughs> fucking neil do you know if that was a crazy horse or a booker t in the mg song D- from the recording i heard <laughs> definitely a crazy horse okay yeah so anyway um you guys want to move on or anything else about this uh when i hold you in my arms fading these early <laughs> it's a breath of fresh air yeah. this is another one of the songs where i think the experiment works because i, I wrote the same thing performance. This one. yeah he doesn't sound like he's struggling you know Ning, uh, neil knows how to sing soul because he, he's that, uh, that song on life when your lonely heart breaks mm-hmm. that's one yeah. of his vocal performances i think ever and that's kind of close to what this song i mean he, he kind of nails the vocals i think on this song at least he nails the vibe I wrote, anyway. shoot, I wrote this one maybe doesn't feel as forced or unnatural. Yeah, like differently. It doesn't seem like he's struggling. It's not as, yeah, it, there's not as much of a struggle going on. I don't know. What do you think, John? Yeah, this is another one where it's like uh, I, I'd probably, if I had to pick a few that I like, this would be on there, you know. There's some awkward moments with the backup singing, but yeah, it doesn't feel as awkward as one, three, or uh 
you know, obviously let's roll. And so this is one where I was like, this is fine. You know, I think that I would, again, much rather hear it a little more natural in the Crazy Horse setting, but it does have that feeling of a, of a like soul ballad, you know, um, and everyone's kind of on their game. So it's fine. I, I like it better than other things for sure. I think this is where, again, a rare instance on this record where his guitar seems to gel with Booker T and the MGs. It just doesn't seem to do that too much on this record as well as his singing. But I think yeah. on this song, it actually works. Yeah. Yeah. There is another song. I think it does work, but I think it works in this one pretty well. And the one thing I will say about this one lyrically is, is this is one of those songs where I felt his age showing a little in the lyrics. And there's, I mean, there's like a straight up seems to be like a tip of the hat to blowing in the wind. Like there's a Dylan sort of, uh, you know, and then he talks about the older generation, that, that whole older generations line. Or he says the the older generation they got something to say, but they better say it fast or get out of the way. To me, that's basically just blowing in the wind, right? I mean, changing, but yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, times are they're tra- yes, yes. Thank you for correcting me. That's times good. are changing. Yeah, um, it's it's very similar to me. It's but it's also he is the older generation kind of when he's singing yeah. it, so it's interesting. But um, but yeah, thank you. I was wrong, so thank you for correcting me. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's a. Uh, a little bit of that, you know, um, what he touches on later on too with the, well, he, I guess he's always said it, but the whole blowing up the planet thing, you know, which is, it's great. It's great that he is uh, an advocate for trying to not blow up the planet, <laughs> but it's sometimes lyrically, I think it, it could be done better in this one. Um, but it's not terrible. I think uh, the playing again, Shu, I agree. I think it, and his singing, he he sings really well. So, yeah, yeah. Looks back. Looks sorry, back. sorry, Mike. I said something. Did your, probably... son, did your son take a shit out in the lawn again? No. Well, no. going to be a thing that happens every episode. No, but it, it's always a Noah thing. He was out just in the middle of the road in his underwear. So, oh. the other kids are supposed to be watching. This oh. is what happens when we record at five. Just like his dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, all right. Are we, you guys were talking about when I hold you in my arms still? Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I got nothing much to say about yeah, this. Yeah, we song. can move on. All right. This is Be With You. Cross. I think if, if this if he wrote this song for a band like The Temptations or something, it would be a fucking hit. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, this is a song that would be really cool if Smokey Robinson, Otis Redding was singing this song. This is what I feel like those critics who are putting this at like the last of his albums. If they played this song up top, that, hey, this album is like this. You'd be like, oh yeah, that's really awkward. It's not terrible, but it is um, feels so strange having Neil singing. This song, I do feel like this is when Booker T and the MGs really get to like be their most true self. They're really flexing that particular sound, that sort of like uh, 
Sam and Dave sound, you know, and you're almost like, this is going to be cool. And then you're like, wait, oh, no, no. It's, it's very <laughs> yeah. similar to track one where it, yeah. it starts out with a nice Booker T groove and you hear Neil playing with them and it's it's a cool vibe. And then he comes in with the vocal and you're like, no, it, it just doesn't. It's not meshing, you know? Yeah. It's like the third variation on Time is Tight. Yes. On this record. Or Can Mr. you pull Ed that up eventually? Luke? Pull up Time is Tight off Booker, uh, off Green Onions. I think it's Green Onions, right? Is I it mean, off that album, Shoe? I, th- I don't know. Or no, I'm, it might be a different one. It might be a different I mean, I'll pull it up, but Russ, I just want to let you know Time is Tight. So here it is. But, Classic. Um, All right, here it is. This Time is Tight by Booker T and the MGs. I mean, come on. Right. Exactly. It's the same. I need to like three Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blues Brothers show and review. <laughs> yeah, it's got... Listen to how great they play, you know? Yeah, this one is is one of the more disappointing tracks on the album only because you really feel like this didn't... This was a bad idea, <laughs> you know, or it was a good idea that didn't end right. up out. Um, Cause it just feels the most awkward. Yeah. Minus let's roll. <clears throat> right. That's the right. king of awkward. It really is the king. Right. Of that's, awkward. The, that's the kid eating the paste in the club. While we're doing Booker T real quick, can you play a little bit of behave yourself? Luke? Oh my Come good on. Lord. Just behave yourself and play it. Cause fucking Booker T is a madman on that. The, the organ is awesome. And we'll blow through these last ones. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. You can't, you can't play, you can't you know do this. Saying? Yeah, Don't but it's not fair. To it's that. not fair That's... to play this. Ooh, yeah, I know. Boy, God damn, right, actually, man, it's, it's totally it's not really good. Fair. To play that up against, you know. <laughs> well, um, no, it's not fair. And Green right, Onions. Uh, fucking, fucking so up. Two Old Friends, I think, is one of the worst songs on this record. But Really? Okay. Yeah, I, I fucking hate it. Let's play Two Old Friends. <laughs> so you really hate this one, huh? <laughs> uh, no one, how do you not pick the same album? I will say on all these songs, Neil's tone gets me every time. Like it's almost like he tricks me every time. Yeah, um, and I don't actually hate this song. I actually I don't mind this song I don't that like much. This one very much, but this one Luke has a very um, a guy we we used to be in a band with made an album. And this is a, like a Dean yeah. a it's Dean a album. Very Armor of Lighty sort of a little bit. Yeah, uh, I don't hate this. I understand that, but it it's got that same sort of cheesy uh, like late 90s early 2000s it yeah. just feels very apparent to me it's very I, I i i this one bugs me a little bit i don't know 
He should have let, let Levon Helm sing this song. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd this really would be great good for fucking Levon. tune. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, Mike, that's a good call. I can for hear sure. Levon just owning this tune. Yeah. Yeah, because he's got that sort of gospel thing. Mm-hmm. But I just, it, Neil doing it, it just doesn't work for me at all. I just right. think it, it, um, yeah, it makes it almost. John, yeah. when you say awkward, this is one of those times where I feel it very much. Yeah, yeah, it's it's here for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right, we don't have to talk about this song then. If you guys are feeling awkward about it, just <laughs> relax. Uh, let's hit. Let's just hit the last track. She's a healer, baby. This is my favorite. Because this is one of those ones like yeah, differently I where I think they lock in. Right. I think the balance of, of Booker on the organ and Neil on the guitar, right. I think it actually works. I think there's some really, really nice moments in this song. And this is, uh, this is, uh, there's a line. This is the one I hinted at at the beginning. He says, all I got is a broken heart and I don't try to hide it when I play my guitar. And to me, that's one of those Neil lines that you could put up with something like, don't mean that much to me to mean that much to you, or I need a crowd of people, but I can't face them day to day. Sure. Where that line so perfectly sums up a lot of Neil. Yeah. All I got is a broken heart and I don't try to hide it when I play my guitar. I think that line is is very much Neil Young in a line. Um yeah. because that's why what I've always felt with Neil is that he's not trying to hide when he plays his guitar. Even even in this record with all its problems and its awkwardness, when you hear his guitar, you still are like, man, that fucking guy knows what he's doing, you know? That's how I feel. But. Russ is very uh, Neil Vangelical is the only way I can put it. Like he, he really has trouble saying anything bad about Neil. And even when he does, he spins it in like a, like, you know, every song happens for a reason and Neil works in mysterious ways. Kind of a thing. Neil not being Neil is still Neil. That's right. what's so Neil about Neil. That's pretty deep, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Man. Deep. I um, like the tune because I like how it's like nine minutes long and it gives those guys the room Yes. To kind of stretch out. I feel like they needed to do that on some of these other tunes and just find the groove first. And And that was one of my points that I was trying to make, John, when you brought it up originally, where I was like, this is one of the tunes, along with Differently and stuff like that, where I feel like there's enough, enough has happened up to this point. And there's enough, Mike, like you said, there's enough room in this song where I do feel the band, uh, it feels they feel a little freer. They feel mm-hmm. a little loose, um, and and like they've locked into a little bit more of something with Neil in this one. Um, and also, he says 
slap to slap stop to slap plastic which is great i don't know what the fuck that means maybe hmm. maybe that's a thing you guys know i don't know if you don't know Russ, then i can't help you because yeah. i i know but i'm not going to tell you so okay i don't know what are, what are your thoughts on this tune john yeah this is very classic crazy horse pacing and space and i think booker t and the mgs fill it well they sort of yeah they kind of are on that trip with neil and i don't think he told them to be a certain way i think they just kind of knew where it was going i think there's certain neil songs where there's only really one way you're going to play it with him and i think it's great i think his guitar is great uh it's not my favorite on the record but it's like this the timing makes sense i love some of those neil songs when they're nine twelve minutes long because that's where they need to be for me for my mind to kind of fully understand it i need that amount of time right yeah he is a master of like finding the full life of the song like the like the stuff from the 90s like the ragged glory stuff and the broken arrow stuff it's a long lead up Mm -hmm. and he gives it time to kind of like you know build and nurture itself and then the feed the long tails of feedback it's like the final Mm -hmm. just dying moments of the life of that song and i think this this has that groove it's that it's that middle ground that we were talking like you know booker t and the mgs they're not crazy horse but here they kind of are leaning in that they're meeting Neil halfway mm-hmm. yeah. with that kind uh, of, and, and shoot to, to kind of add on to that. I think this one even more than differently, why I like it a little more than differently is that it becomes a little more Neil again. That's complicated to say, but um, in that moment, I didn't write it down, Luke, but there's a moment where it goes to the horn comes in and it's like a distant um, and those distant like bongos happen too. And I think that's like a, a really nice balance of Booker T having their really awesome soul groove thing, Neil doing his thing, and then just like a nice balance of, of um, mm. interesting sounds and interesting uh, vibe that's ha- that happens where differently was a nice blend, but there wasn't anything super unique. And this one has a, a nice uniqueness to it w- with that section where there's the horn and the bongos um, and it's kind of verbed out and distant, you know what I'm talking about? And I, I really like that moment a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I, I didn't write it down, but I don't Do know. Do you want me to try to find it? Uh, if, if people are interested to hear it. Yeah, they can listen to the song. <laughs> Just listen to the album if you can. Listen to the fucking album, you last song on this well, album. Where are we at with time? Because all we You're have left strong. is our top three and our cuts. So. Yeah, we're, we're, we're basically out of time. But I, I do want to, po- before we get to our top three songs, I do want to ask Mike the important question. Better or worse? Yeah. This is, okay, this is worse. That's the instructional video music. Yes, right. I did that on purpose. Play it again. Oh, boy. What'd you say, John? John? That's not Huey Lewis in the news. (laughs) You're close. It's uh, Neil Young with Danny Korchmar. All right. Record. That's Lenny on Water, baby. Hold on. You want me to do it again? He's doing his husband rock dance. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Might as well do it In this video, we'll learn about proper food preparation, timely food running, and customer service. <laughs> Seriously, it's instructional video music. 
So this I, is definitely worse than anything I, on this album. I disagree. I actually like Landing on Water more. No, I mean, no, pressure, no, it, pressure really, that, that's, a, that's a pretty good tune. Come on, Hippie Dream, come on. No, Hippie come Dream on. sucks really. I'm glad you played that, Luke, because I was afraid that she was going to say that, that uh, Are You Passionate was worse than... Because you started off by saying Are You Passionate might be worse than Landing well, on Water. Well, overall, I think, if I'm weighing both, Are You Passionate to me... Not it. A, I don't like sounds, it as much. It's less, yeah. it just sounds less urgent. It just sounds like there's right. no, like on, on, he really sounded like he was just losing his mind on landing on water, but here he sounds like he's just kind of floating through the whole record. Yeah. I'd rather have him losing his mind yeah, I guess. and shitting um, his pants than just kind of breezing through, you know? Yeah. All right, let's hit our top three. So John, at the end of every album, we pick our top three songs and one song we would cut if we have to. Obviously on records like Zuma and On the Beach, it's pretty impossible. We force ourselves because we're goddamn patriots. Um, so my top three, I would go my three is She's a Healer. I really like to jam on it. Um, my two is Are You Passionate? I like that song. It's a fucking, I like that song. I don't, fuck you guys. And uh, my number one's Going Home. So... Um, and I would cut, sorry, Russ, I would cut Mr. Disappointment. Yeah, I totally understand. That's right. fine. Uh, I would do, my number three is actually going home. My number two is differently. And my number one is she's a healer. Huh, okay. And I would cut let's roll. I knew it. Um, I'd have to say my number three would be Mr. Disappointment, just for that part where he goes, hey, how you doing? <laughs> that's that's the voice i just it's a lot of fun listening to that after will, this episode i switched out differently and mr disappointment mr. i think differently is better but it will be a drop next week that hey how you doing um it. number two would be differently and uh my number one would definitely have to be she's a healer i just think yeah i love that jam man too, i think it's man. really good I, I was gonna go with going home uh, I know that didn't even make my top three because if that two seconds of Mr. Disappointment wasn't so great, it would be in there. But I love She's a Healer. I just think that that really showcases I agree. she's in a different way. And I, I love, the, so. I love yeah, the jam. I, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. And uh, I would cut ugh, maybe going home. What? Or no, you know what I would cut? I would cut You're My Girl. Okay. I almost that was almost my cut song because if you didn't start with that, it might not be as it, people would not have. That one is a bad. It's bad to start with. Right. That. Well, you start. Yeah, you start with yeah. low expectations. You start with the really low bar. Yeah, you're like, oh geez. Gravy. Yeah. When you hear yeah. that song right away, you're like, I don't know how I'm gonna feel. <laughs> yeah. So. Right. Mm. Right. You pro- did you make a? Do you think you could come up with it, John? Or yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say. My three would be either a tie, be a tie. She's a healer. Or are you passionate? I like both those. Going home, number two. Differently, number number one. To cut, I would of course want to say cut. Let's roll. But there's a part of me that thinks it needs to be there as a cautionary tale to young songwriters, as <laughs> you know what can happen. So <laughs> historically, that this song exists. Uh, so in that sense, something like "Be with You" or "You're My Girl" or "Mr. Disappointment," the ones that I think are just sort of awkwardly don't fit i would want to cut but i i think uh and i at first like going home is almost like there's a part of me that wants to cut that just so this album is more concise i know that's, that's kind of blasphemous but uh there's a part of me that thinks that as a artistic piece it almost like it just feels weird to me. yeah my cut song was hard i i wanted to either do 
um, two old friends. And, and when you said Levon singing it, I'm like, well, that would make it a, a better, a much better song. And in this song, I just, I, in this album, I didn't like it, but, or, or like you said, Shu, the, the opening track, the, the, uh, she's my girl. Cause it just, it starts you off with a bad, a bad flavor. Yeah. So not a good start. But I went with let's roll just cause, but I like what you said, John. So I might have to change it. I think it, it's kind of important that it exists for the reason to like, we could do an instrumental, uh, or sorry, we could do an instructional video to the, the fucking song that Luke just played <laughs> off of, but, but two songwriters, future songwriters saying, here's what not to do. You know? <laughs> Well, it's been it's been fun, John. Been. Thank you. Um, yeah, and um, uh, John, obviously, you can find his music. We talked about it in the last. We'll post links everywhere. Is it johncraigie.com? Uh, johncraigiemusic.com. Johncraigiemusic.com. Buy his albums. You can buy his vinyl. You can stream them. And also, he is starting to play shows again, as we all slowly are. And he is at Red Rocks, if you live in the Colorado area with – Keller Williams, Andy Frasco in the UN, and that's gonna. I'm so jealous and so. Yeah, excited. man, that's a bucket list for sure. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Um, um, and that is, you can get tickets to that if you live around there at. I think it's RedRocksOnline.com, um, but I mean, just use Google if you don't know how to find tickets. Just or just literally. follow John Craigie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Follow John on Instagram and on. Facebook and all, all that good stuff. You can also buy our merch at longmayyoungpodcast.com. We got hats, we got t-shirts. And um, what, what am I missing, Mike? Anything? Um, we're on Instagram and Twitter at longmayyoung. We're on Facebook and uh, we also post in the Neil Young subreddit. Yes. So you can check us out there and join the discussion there. So Next week is Greendale, yeah. No, next week is our 50th episode in our one-year oh, anniversary. Okay. So we're not covering we're gonna an d- album. Well, we should do a big special thing, which we'll okay. figure out. We're going to cover American Dream by Crosby, Sills, Nash, and Young. <laughs> okay, I'm fine with it. For the 50 stars of each fucking state. We're going to cover every Stephen Stills solo album right. next week. Is it doing CSNY stuff on this or not? We not might yet. later on yeah. after, we, after we finish with all the Neil stuff. Yeah. You didn't what, John? You didn't do Stills Young Band, Long May You Run? We did. did. We had to do that one because of the name of the podcast. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. If you're still listening two hours in here, I highly recommend going back and listening to that episode. Yeah. uh, We had some fun. It was a really sexy episode. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely. I want to make love to you. I don't don't have the drops because it's (laughs) on Zoom. All right, John. Thanks a lot, man, for joining us on on this Less Than Stellar Neil album. We appreciate it. You know, fun in Colorado, man. Yeah. Maybe we can have you back on for a psychedelic pill. I would love it, man. I got a lot to say. All right, man. Nice. All right. See you guys. (laughs) Thanks a lot, you guys. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 